the role of the chief sustainability officer in a way can serve as a catalyst in many ways to trigger transformation. That honesty and trust that can be built uh, within that ecosystem is so important. Transformation is bespoke to a company, not even an industry, because it's very intrinsic to your value proposition. Hello, and welcome to the Exchange Feed podcast. I'm Elisa Riego, Director of Product Innovation and ESG Strategy for the Capital Formation Group at TMX Group. I am really excited to be sitting down with Jennifer Motless, Chief Sustainability Officer at Philip Morris International, or PMI for short. Welcome to our podcast, Jennifer. Hi, Lisa. It's very nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So first of all, I just want to let listeners know uh, two quick things that you can answer for me, Jennifer, because they may not be familiar with PMI. So what market sector or major product is PMI most known for? And where are the operations? PMI is widely or traditionally known for being a tobacco company. And frankly, we still belong to the tobacco sector. Uh, But what is specific and and very particular about PMI is that we are really transforming our company to no longer base our success on making or selling cigarettes. So really working towards phasing out cigarettes completely and making smoking obsolete. We are um, an American company. We are listed in the New York Stock Exchange, but our operational center, so where senior management team sits, is in Switzerland and concretely in Lausanne. That's great. And I I think our listeners are probably thinking a U.S. tobacco company, like that's not our usual take. Um, Mm -hmm. And so they may not know that I heard you at a U.S. uh, ESG forum and I literally hunted you down and Um, You might remember me asking you if you uh, would come and speak to some of our issuers, especially those uh, that work in industries where issue reporting might be a bit of a tougher sell. Um, I think that there there are a lot of resource companies in Canada, obviously, um, but I think there's a lot of people who haven't started to report in our markets. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just really difficult, especially where like your company, they're starting to think about transition or just trying to think like, how do I tell my story? So before we dig into that, let me first ask you, do you have any insight as to why PMI hired a chief sustainability officer? Sure. And let me just comment on what you were saying before. I think that um, indeed it might might not be an intuitive uh, call to think about a chief sustainability officer working for a tobacco company. Uh, and that's why I think it's interesting to uh, understand a little bit better what, what my role is and also how the role of the chief sustainability officer in a way can serve uh, as a catalyst in many ways to trigger transformation in any company or in any organization that is seeking to really redefine its value proposition to society and in a genuine way. Uh, minimize negative externalities, which is ultimately what sustainability and and ESG is is inviting us all to do. So why did PMI hire the CSO? So I I wasn't hired as a CSO. I was already working at PMI and I've actually been in the company for eight years. I started working in sustainability. I was hired 
to join, to, to develop what was the first sustainability strategy of the company. And if I look at other companies that were working on sustainability-ish related matters, so if we look back 10 years or 15 years ago, this was uh, in a less strategic way, uh, CSR or shared value or even philanthropy before that, mm -hmm. but this notion of kind of understanding the role of an organization in relation to society and, and slowly but surely becoming more polished in the way that companies approach this topic and how do they report on it. And I think that the reason why PMI was a little bit late into the game is because everybody was acutely aware that when it came to impact, the biggest impact that we have comes from the products that we sell, the cigarette, and without having uh, a credible and robust solution to address that problem, we, we shouldn't be talking about sustainability. We wouldn't be able to talk about sustainability in a credible or legitimate way. And so it was only when we were in a place where we knew that we, have, we had a solution in place that we could talk about phasing out cigarettes and replacing them completely with better alternatives, that the opportunity to create a more holistic approach to sustainability, looking at all our impacts, besides and beyond those that derive from our product, is when, um, when the sustainability strategy in our company started taking place. So together with our transformation around 2015. So 2015 is when you really started to pick up on like how you were going to report. I would still say that's quite early uh, for some companies to have started down that path. As you said, many were looking at CSR and, and trying to report on something, but you re they really wanted something to say first. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I agree with you. I think that, I mean, different companies have, have had different approaches and, and this is not really passing judgment on, on any company, but here in a very intentional way, we wanted to, our approach to sustainability was very much strategic and connected to our corporate strategy, not like a side path where we did um, nice things for the environment and society disconnected from our core strategy. The intention here was really to look deep into our business, deep into our corporate strategy, understand what is the purpose that we serve in society and what is it that we can do to actually address uh, pressing problems like, for example, smoking and what is the power that business and the private sector and specifically PMI could have to address an issue that has existed for many, many years that comes from smoking. And that is by making cigarettes obsolete and how can we accelerate really the end of smoking around the world. Um, and it's really from there that, that our sustainability strategy is born. Yeah, we're going to get into that transition story some more, which is great. But I love how you talk about intentionality and the linkage to strategy, which is so, so important. Um, but I actually wanted to take you back to, again, that ESG forum that I first heard you at, um, because it was probably one of the first times that I heard this term green hushing. And so without giving it away, I'd love for you to explain kind of what that means to you and what you think of that practice. Uh, sure. And I think, I mean, I will paraphrase myself, but I don't remember exactly in what context or how is it that we were talking about it. But mm -hmm. I believe it was um, when talking about um, reporting on sustainability or reporting on ESG, there are so many issues when it comes to ESG, to environmental, social and governance issues. If you report on matters that are not really material, in a way, the entire exercise of reporting on sustainability becomes a little bit moot. 
And so I think that before doing the exercise or putting resources in, in place to report your non-financial performance or report on ESG-related matters, it is important to be um, honest about where are your biggest impacts and put those really at the forefront and at the core of your reporting and your strategy and attach to those meaningful KPIs that can allow external stakeholders, especially investors, to understand what you're doing and take meaningful information, decision-making relevant, and data that they can use for eventual investments and decision-making purposes. Yeah, thank you so much. I think that's so important, especially, again, there are so many companies on the Toronto Stock Exchange and TSX Venture Exchange that haven't started to report um, on ESG matters and, and giving this insight is is so great. And so let's let's now talk about PMI's reporting and mm -hmm. maybe you can take us through that transformation a bit. How has the ESG reporting evolved or gotten better over time? Um, how has that narrative changed? Yeah, so um, for those who are familiar with uh, reporting on, on ESG or reporting on non-financial matters, uh, we are all experiencing a, a huge alphabet soup in the effort to harmonize and create standardization on, on sustainability-related frameworks and standards. Um, and this has been evolving and evolving very fast, moving into a place where reporting moves from voluntary to mandatory. And along the way, we have tried really to align as much as possible to as many standards as we can. So I'm talking about SASB, I'm talking about GRI, the UN SDGs, uh, at some point, the World Economic Forum stakeholder engagement metrics, um, and so on, in order to really be able to cater to different stakeholders and different investors that are using these different standards, seeking comparable and reliable data. But what I think that is unique about PMI, um, related to the point that I was mentioning before, is that we very quickly realized that these external frameworks and standards, they're offering the opportunity for companies to report on quote unquote, traditionally understood ESG issues. But transformation is bespoke to a company, not even an industry, because it's very intrinsic to your value proposition. And that meant right. that we realized very quickly that our reporting wasn't complete if we only followed these frameworks. And so we introduced to complement a set of bespoke APIs that we call business transformation metrics that mm -hmm. we report periodically. We actually report, uh, we're, there are a set of financial and non-financial metrics. We report progress on them, many of them during our earnings call on a quarterly basis, and certainly uh, on our integrated report yearly. And so the intention here is to really have meaningful KPIs uh, that range from R&D spend, commercial expenditure, volumes of cigarettes and how they're decreasing, volumes of our new products and how they're increasing, how factories are being transformed from making cigarettes to making our new products, and really any meaningful and relevant KPI that can allow our stakeholders to really measure and assess by themselves both the pace and the scale of our transformation so they can see really how our company is reallocating resources to become something else and and this is connected to what i was saying before the only way that you can 
credibly talk about sustainability is if you're prepared to talk about your most material issues and to talk about them, have concrete KPIs and data that can show to the world how exactly you're addressing them and what kind of progress you're making. I really love that because PMI has taken an extra step, really, you know, kind of looking at all the different frameworks and what's required there, but really thinking about what is meaningful, as you said, very specifically to your company mm -hmm. and measuring on those. Um, yeah. How has how has your investors, um, how is their reception to your KPIs? It's, it's actually very good. And I think that um, that's to the point that we were talking before as, as this, as as we see an evolution mm -hmm. on sustainability on ESG, especially from the finance community, we by we I mean the private sector, the finance community, we're all becoming a little bit more sophisticated in terms of what kind of data are we seeking and um, how are we seeking that data and for what we're using it. And so, in that regard, I think that on the investor side, it is important to create meaningful engagements i.e understand materiality sustainability materiality so that the questions that you ask to companies relate really to their biggest impact and from the company side it's very important that you can have data available to have those engagements because if i put out an esg report that focuses only on decarbonization diversity inclusion, human rights, and, and don't get me wrong, these are all very important things that we're doing. But if I mm -hmm. don't have data and metrics to showcase how our company is changing, it would be very difficult to have a meaningful engagement with investors about it. So uh, I guess it's a, it's a two-way street. On, on the one hand, you need companies that can have that awareness and, and that candor to talk about what is most material and have data available to showcase. And on the investor side, they need to understand from a materiality standpoint, what questions to ask. Because I could also have an engagement with an investor that only wants to talk about water conservation, which again, it's important, an important initiative. But the first question that should be asked from a sustainability standpoint to a cigarette company is, what are you doing to not make cigarettes anymore? What are you doing to transform? Because if you ask those right questions, and obviously I'm using tobacco as an example mm -hmm. because i work for a tobacco company but it's not different to energy right if mm -hmm. you're in the energy sector and you're investing in renewable energy and you have a plan to really diversify or move away from fossil fuels having the right metrics available to showcase how your company is envisioning this future how your company is planning to transition will enable you and empower you to have a more meaningful engagement with your investors rather than communicating on other um, ESG issues that perhaps are not as meaningful or, or material to um, the nature and the, of your organization and your business strategy. That's great. And and I almost feel bad asking you this last question because I feel like you've already done this so much throughout this uh, discussion. But maybe is there anything else that you can uh, give uh, to the listeners about how to best um, communicate transition or even those who may just be having a hard time articulating their sustainability story because they are in an industry where you know it, it's a difficult conversation i think that listen you said it a little bit how to have difficult conversations is to acknowledge that they are difficult you know i think mm -hmm. that we often have this tendency to um 
to believe that the only way that we can provoke an engagement is if we have all the answers, uh, if we're operating perfectly and and if there is no no risk associated to saying what your challenges are. And, and I don't think that's right. I actually think that there is much appreciation uh, in general, in humanity, but certainly in engagements with different stakeholders to say, um, this is what we want to do. We're really trying. It's difficult because of ABC reasons, and this is how we're trying to address them, and this is where we need help. I think that when you think about transformation in general, be transformation of a cigarette company, be transformation of an oil and gas company, or really any sector transformation, you can look at food or mobility with cars moving away from combustible cars to electric, or, or really any transformation that is trying to acutely address um, issues related to environment and society to create a better economy, there is this deep awareness that these issues are systemic. And to create change, you need to work with different parts of society. The finance community has a huge role to play, but in order to maximize the impact that the finance community can have, you need to be prepared to have an honest conversation. And part of that honest conversation is being ready to address the elephant in the room and those difficult moments to say, we have challenges here, we're really not progressing the way that we wish to, but this is where we wanna go and here's where we need help. Yeah, the honesty piece is so great. You, we've talked about green hushing and green washing. I think, you know, hopefully we don't see that moving forward, but that honesty and trust that can be built uh, within that ecosystem is so important. Listen, Jennifer, we've been trying to put this together for almost six months now. I'm so glad that you were able to make time and share your insights and thoughts with us. Thank you so very much. Thank you so much for your openness and thank you for your time and for having me here today. Take care. You too.